The following podcast deals with sensitive subjects and will scare you. Listener discretion is advised. We all have our versions of normal. What our lives consist of every day. In the daylight, we get caught up in the hustle of work, family, and pets. Our weekend plans turn into Instagram posts and social distancing. It's safe. It's cozy. It's kind of boring. But everything makes sense. And then we tuck ourselves in as the night casts over us. It's the darkness that we take for granted. There are mysteries that lie in the shadows as we enter the night. Some people's lives become contaminated by darkness. Their fear and silent suffering turning into nightly lullabies. A place where their normal is disembodied voices, creaks in the floorboards, and monsters under the bed that make tucking yourself in at night terrifying. But these stories need to be told, if not to give these people some closure to help you sleep a little less tight. Normal doesn't always reside in the daylight. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. childhood home is exciting. You have a newfound sense of freedom. You want to make your new place feel like home and carefully select your roommates to share a space with. But what Nikki and her friends quickly came to learn is that their space was already occupied. I did not believe in ghosts. I always loved ghost culture and I was always, I loved scaring myself. I loved ghost stories. I loved hearing people talk about it, but had never experienced anything. I went to photography school and graduated from Sheridan College in 2004. After graduating, myself and three other girls from my program moved to Toronto. I've been to Toronto a handful of times with my parents to, you know, see a musical or go to the Eaton Center. But outside of those things, none of us like really knew downtown. So Nikki and her future roommates decided to look for a place to live on a post-student budget. We were looking for this house and to rent so that all of us could, you know, live downtown and, and live the photographer's dream. This was a, a semi-detached house in downtown Toronto on a street called Dovercourt. Even for 16 years ago, it was so cheap, this place. We couldn't, we couldn't say no. So they decide to rent the house. Two of us, myself and this girl, Sarah, who was a roommate of mine, were so excited to move downtown and start our new lives that we packed up my car. And I think we might have strapped a mattress to the top of it. You know, we spent the night with nothing but what could fit in the car. That first night, I think we probably got takeout and turned in. I claimed the, the room at the top of the stairs on the third floor is mine. And Sarah claimed the room next to mine. 
which was at the back of the house. That night, I remember having no problem falling asleep because we were exhausted. Something woke me up out of a dead sleep. It was the feeling of having my feet put into almost like a headlock and getting tickled aggressively. It was very, very aggressive. And it woke me up so realistically that I flipped over to Jeff to yell at him for doing that. He was sound asleep. I look around and there's nothing there. I was like, wow, that was so vivid. What a dream. Unbelievable. I'm a big, you know, seeing is believing advocate. The thought of something tickling my feet that wasn't actually something happening wasn't even a thought. Didn't even think about it. Fast forward to the morning, the three of us, me, my boyfriend, and my roommate, who had just spent the night in this empty house, meet in the kitchen to decide what we're going to do for breakfast. So they head out to a diner down the street. And while waiting for their order, Nikki can tell that her roommate seems a little uneasy. At breakfast, my roommate, Sarah, sort of is hesitating to ask me how my first night was. And I'm like, yeah, it was good. Like, I, I slept. I feel good. She's like, I couldn't sleep. And she goes on to explain to Jeff and I that she kept having dreams that there was a little girl sitting on her pillow right next to her head, playing with her hair. It wasn't until that moment, that story that she told us at breakfast, that I remembered the foot tickling attack. And I was like, you know, I had a similar thing. So that was our first night. The rest of the roommates move into the house and the activity continues. Little things would happen like here and there. The roommates would always sort of say things like, oh, it's the ghost. Things would move. I can't even give you a number because it just happens so often. I just chalked it up to roommates moving stuff, roommates borrowing stuff, whatever. We just graduated school. We were looking for jobs in Toronto, so we didn't really have any money. You know, a handful of change would mean something. So it was, you know, change would go missing. Like, I never thought the roommates would do that. We were very close and honest with each other. But, you know, it would move from the kitchen table to the the floor. It'd be on the floor. So just like little things like that, weird things. Then things escalated. This activity started to happen in the house that really was in our faces. When it started to really show itself, um, it was undeniable. Something was going on. You know, as a non-believer, I, I didn't know what to make of it. The five of us, we had this huge sectional couch in the living room, and we would often all sit together and watch a movie. There'd be nobody else upstairs, downstairs, all of us would be accounted for on the couch. And we would hear someone running the length of the hallway upstairs from one bedroom all the way to the back of the house. I remember just sitting there, all of us on the couch, 
and being frozen. I would look over at the girls and like the girls knew it's haunted. Like we have, live in a haunted house. And at that point I'm like, okay, something's happening. Something's going on. The running thing kind of just became a permanent fixture. You know, it would, it would happen often. We didn't really know what to make of it. We all just sort of didn't want to be upstairs alone. There were so many of us, like we were rarely alone, but it wasn't an issue until, until it was. So despite their new living situation, they continued with normal housemate stuff. I think fast forward another another month or so, and the roommates decided to get a cat, a little like adopt a kitten. You know, I, I I'd never owned a cat. I was not really a cat person. I wasn't a ghost person or a cat person. I was game to get a cat. And so the roommates and myself went to the the shelter. And we picked out a kitten and brought her home. They named their kitten Penny. We were all working different schedules and doing different things, different jobs. I had a car and a job. Often, I would be the last person to leave in the morning. I would go to work and then come home. And I would usually be the first person home as well. I would spend a moment with Penny. I wasn't super comfortable with being in the house totally by myself. So I wouldn't always rush home. I would usually convince my boyfriend to make sure he met me there. One day I came home from work. I was the first person home. I looked for Penny, our cat, and I couldn't find her. We had this basement. Nobody ever went in there. It was just for storage. It was, it was a scary basement, even without the ghosts. We had a record player set up down there with speakers and, you know, we'd have, we'd have big parties sometimes. So we'd have that space. Couldn't find Penny. And that was concerning. I'm like, okay, she's hiding, I guess. I went into the kitchen where the doorway to the, to the basement was. It was closed, which was really weird because we always kind of kept the whole house open and I could hear music playing really loud. It actually didn't dawn on me until until I was at the door how loud the music was. So I could feel the music through the door and I go to open the door and it's locked. We've never locked that door. We had a key. It came with our keys when we moved in, but we'd never ever, we'd never had a reason to lock it. So, so I thought this was weird. Someone is blaring music downstairs. The door is locked. So I had to go rummage for this key because I've never used it, found it, and I unlocked the door and I turned the handle and I opened the door and the cat explodes out from the basement and she's petrified. So I went downstairs about to essentially kind of yell at someone for doing that and there was no one there. The record player was playing full volume, but the messed up part is that you can't, you have to continually replace the arm. It was an old record player. It didn't, it didn't have the feature where it bumped back. So (laughs) 
that was one of those what the fuck moments. And then it was kind of from that point that we sort of acknowledged the basement having an issue. We always knew there was something upstairs, playful and, you know, a little mischievous. But downstairs was a new thing now. We got a bad feeling from downstairs and a weird, creepy feeling from upstairs. Two different, two different feelings, two different sets of things going on and two totally unexplained situations. As the months continued, so did the activity. So the roommates decided they needed help. One of the roommates knew someone who knew a psychic or somebody that could come in and read our house. I came home one day with with my boyfriend and there was an investigation going on where there was all the roommates and these two strangers in the house. They were going room by room. They had already gone in the basement. I missed that part. They were hanging out in the main level, sort of talking about what they had just experienced downstairs and they all looked worried. (laughs) They, you know, sort of said, this is so-and-so, they're coming in, this person's doing a reading of the house, this person's going to bless our house, and um, that's what's going on. We We just did the basement. This is what we found. There was a negative presence down there. I guess that there was a man that used to live in the house, was very abusive. In short, possibly died down there, but he, his spirit is still down there and he hates us. He hates that we're in his house. He hates that we're young and we have parties and we don't respect him and he is, he hates us. We also were told that he sort of, that's his sort of domain. He doesn't leave there. He's just in the basement. The investigation moves to the top floor. They were going to do the upstairs. We have been experiencing sort of the energy of, of, of a more sort of mischievous, energetic entity. There's so many of us. We all sort of file up the stairs and follow this, this person who is sort of trying to get a reading on, on, on the upstairs. So he went into the back of bedroom, which was Sarah's, then walked down the hall to my room. And then he went into the front bedroom. He came back out, went back into my room and he asked the group, he's like, whose room is this? I'm like, oh, yeah, my room. So I kind of, you know, scooch past everybody on the stairs and I go into my room. The psychic is like, okay, you don't believe in this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. And he's like, we're going to pretend you do for a second. And I'm going to tell you something, but don't be scared. But I just need you to hear me out because whatever is up here uh, lives in your room. This is her room. It was her room anyway. He then asked Nikki to come help communicate with this spirit. He's like, can you come into your room and and sit on the edge of your bed? Because 
She's sitting on the floor at the edge of your bed right now. This is where she plays. And I'm like, who the hell are you talking about? And he says, there's a spirit of a young girl up here who used to live here. He's like, she hasn't necessarily died, but a part of her has died here. I see that she underwent some horrific things here. Her energy is here. She responds to you, even though you don't recognize her. So sit on the edge of your bed and look at her and say, this isn't your room anymore. You have to move on. So I sit on the edge of my bed and I look to the spot where he tells me to look. So I have an upright fan right there pointed at my bed. So I'm like, this isn't your room anymore. You have to move on. Just after I said that, my fan, as if whipped by an unseen force, gets thrown onto my bed. It scares us so bad that everybody on the stairs just tramples each other to get down to the main level. Once everyone is composed on the main level, the psychic starts to go into detail. You know, he later sort of explained to us what happened to her. Her and her mother lived in the house. She had a boyfriend that would come home and abuse the daughter. He said that there was a large amount of abuse that went went on in the house. That was the point, I think, in my life where I started to believe that we weren't really alone. I had a really hard time sleeping in that room. One of my roommates offered to switch rooms with me. So I took her up on that. I think eventually another roommate moved, moved out as well. So we all sort of shifted rooms. That room sort of became vacant. After two years of living in the house, Nikki decides it's time to move on. Eventually, we, we all just decided to move out. Um, me and my boyfriend decided to get our own place. So I moved out. I took Penny the cat with us. You know, I never, I never really looked back. I actually work very close to the house and I drive by it often and I slow down and I look up and I'm like, man, I wonder if the people renting there or living there now experience the same stuff. And I don't know. The house on Dovercourt now has new owners. Looking at it from the sidewalk, it just seems like a normal house. But after listening to Nikki's story, it did make me wonder. Public police records show no arrests, murders, or deaths associated with the house. So it just sits quietly in its shell. 
If you have a story you've been hiding, submit it to us at geistpodcast.com. Geist is written and directed by me, Danielle Matar. Original score and sounds by Bo Jensen. Additional music from Eric McKerney, Mycroft, and Soda Baby. Story from Nikki Armorad. Special thanks to Candace Linky, Neil Romagnoli, Dylan Leagati, and Jason Boyle. Follow us on Instagram at Geist underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening and sleep tight. On the next episode of Geist. And I was sitting where I could see through to the kitchen and I, I, I stood up. I just stopped, sat down again. What is wrong? So there's an old lady standing in the kitchen.